Hello, 49ers fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the 49ers Paradise Podcast Show. Thank you all once again for tuning in. This week's show is sponsored by NBX.com, NBX Fantasy Sportsbook. That's Nathan Bryant Xavier Fantasy Sportsbook. It's a really, really cool site where you can create fantasy teams. There's absolutely zero risk, zero risk and tons of reward. Up to $10,000 in grand prize and weekly winners as well. Check out nbx.com and sign up with the reference name NBXMVP. That's Nathan Bryan Xavier, MVP as in most valuable player. And you can get extra points added to your account just like that. So be sure to check out nbx.com. All right, as always, if you're looking to contact 49ers Paradise or the show, you can email brian at 49ersparadise.cjb.net or you can dial the show by phone at 415-376-7297 then dial star 747-628-7149 when you're prompted to do so to be connected to 49ers Paradise from San Francisco. There are local calling numbers from throughout the United States and internationally. Check out the phone link in the top right hand corner of the main page of 49ers Paradise for all the local calling numbers and calling instructions. We have a very, very special show this week. We have former 49ers Public Relations Director Kirk Reynolds in a one-on-one interview in which he is extremely forthcoming with his past, present, and future takes on the 49ers. This is something that you absolutely will not want to miss and that's coming up right after the discussion on this week's game performance. So be sure to listen to this interview because it is absolutely, absolutely top-notch. All right, folks, so a loss to the Chargers, 48-19. to They more than double the amount of points that the 49ers are able to put up, but I don't feel too badly after it, mainly because the Chargers are an extremely strong team, and I really was not expecting the 49ers to pull away with a victory. What I was expecting was the team to crack 20 points, so a little disappointing there. Um... 48 points for the Chargers, hey, it's less than we let them get to, get on us in the Super Bowl, so maybe there's something to be said about that. It was not um, not a good defensive performance by any stretch of the imagination. But Alex Smith, 20 for 31, 214 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, which was the result of a blocked pass that got tipped up in the air, was uh, a good performance. He made good reads, threw the ball again to places where only his receivers could catch it, and... Uh, really ran the offense quite dynamically. Frank Gore picked up 5.5 yards per carry. He only had 10 attempts, but 55 yards. Uh, Pretty nice performance and uh, some very, very good play calling by Norv Turner, including an end around to Brian Gilmore uh, on a key first down opportunity. On the receiving core, you also had Antonio Bryant, four receptions, 78 yards. Arnez Battle and Frank Gorich contributed with five receptions of their own, so it was offensively a pretty decent performance. Uh, first down conversions were not where they needed to be. Neither was red zone performance, and that that really tells the tale as to why the team was not able to compete a little bit closer. But this was a, a good game to actually tell where the 49ers rank in terms of the rest of the NFL. 
and uh, they put up a stronger fight, particularly in the first half than I was expecting. They matched uh, they matched the Chargers quite well in the first half, and in the second half they only let up 13 points. Now, sure, the Chargers had eased off the uh, gas a little bit, but um, the 49ers did a decent job against a much much superior um, opponent. So. It's one thing if the team got blown out like this against the Raiders, but uh, or Arizona, or a team like that. But against the Chargers, I'll, I'll take this loss, and I'll take it with, uh, there's enough to learn from and build from. But what I am most concerned about still remains the defense, and uh, remains penalty and discipline concerns, because those are still two very big issues that uh, hopefully will be confronted as the team enters its bye week. Now, one of the other benefits I expect from the bye week is that Vernon Davis and Larry Allen may be ready to return to the lineup, and that could give the offense an even greater boost, particularly in uh, first down conversions and explosiveness, and that's something that the team has been lacking a little bit of since those two guys left. I do like that Eric Johnson actually holds onto the ball, and maybe Vernon Davis will do that when he returns too. That would be very refreshing. Defensively, there needs to be a very, very big improvement coming from the defense, and uh, particularly the defensive backfields. Tony Parrish was benched in favor of Mark Roman, but we don't know how long or if that will last. Um, and the team is trying to get a hold of Troy Vincent, who was released by the Buffalo Bills, to come in and help out at safety, and depending on how injuries go, possibly at cornerback as well. Now, Walt Harris was unable to play in the game due to an injury. Harris, of course, suffered an injury in practice. His hamstring, he had a pulled hamstring, and uh, he was unable to play. That also contributed to some of the ill effects of the secondary, which is, I mean, pretty poor to begin with. But when you start lining up Marcus Hudson at cornerback when he's a safety, and it, it, it was just messy. Now Sammy Davis, of course, started for Harris, but Sammy Davis is not a starting cornerback in the NFL. And uh, Shante Spencer continues to show that he's not either a starting cornerback in the NFL. So... There needs to be a big improvement, and Troy Vincent is a guy who could bring some veteran ability. He can bring it without threatening the position of any of the youngsters on the team because really the 49ers don't have any young up-and-coming stars at cornerback who's, or safety who he'd threaten with his position, and he could add some stability there, similar to how Walt Harris did, and that could make a very, very big difference. One of the biggest concerns I had with the defensive backfield is that they were just not turning their heads and that to find the ball, and that seems to be cornerback or defensive back 101, and it wasn't happening, even with veterans like Chad Williams. So hopefully the team will manage to turn that around at least a little bit because that was the Achilles heel of the defense, and it has been for most of the most of the year, the pressure, um, I mean, the 49ers can either blitz and leave their cornerbacks exposed, and then they're burned in two seconds, or they can not blitz and the cornerbacks are, you know, blown in four seconds. So they they do need to still continue to generate the pass rush, but they need the defensive backs to hold their positions for a long enough period. Now, speaking of the pass rush, is one of the biggest issues that I continue to see is the containment issue, and that's that the defensive ends in particular or the blitzing linebackers, depending on where the the pressure is coming from, will will run directly past the corner quarterback and try and come and get him from behind. But that's far too much running for any uh, any type of sack opportunity. What the team needs to be doing is taking a straight line at the corner at the quarterback. They need to be going inside, or they need to be throwing 
the offensive line. They need to be throwing the offensive lineman back at the quarterback because running past the quarterback and trying to catch him from behind while being blocked, it's just it's messy, and it's not the way that you generate a pass rush. They need to get a straight line at the quarterback, and that if the team can manage to stabilize their pass rush and stabilize the defensive backfield even a little bit more, you're going to see a team that's a significantly more competitive, and the 49ers are already significantly more competitive than they were last year, even if they don't win as many games. Um, coming up, they've got the Bears, Vikings, and Lions, three games in which they should compete fairly well, in, and then they play the Seahawks as well, and they do seem to match up okay against the Seahawks, even though it is a significantly superior team, So, and the Rams after that. So there are some games where they can be competitive and hopefully pull one or one or two victories out of that five-game stretch, um, and that would make a, a big, big improvement heading into the final stretch of the season in which they play the Saints, the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Broncos. Now that's going to be significantly harder to get a game or two out of. But um, who knows? Things could start rolling a little bit for the team. And really, if they address that defensive backfield position, if they get that steady pass rush, it'll make a big difference because there's no doubt that the offense has improved significantly. Now, Derek Smith had a great game. So did Jeff Ulbrich on defense. Those were two guys who were all over the field and hitting guys harder than I've seen the 49ers hit anybody recently. It almost looked um, like different younger guys out there with some real power behind them. Very, very, very encouraging to see guys like that hit as hard as they did. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. There needs to be more there. Now, Melvin Oliver, Paris Harrelson, and Manny Lawson, those are guys that this team can build around. They are contributing, but they are not able to take the team to the next level on their own, and they're not able to do it at such a young stage in their career either. But it is a good start, and um, with the offense under good good settings, the 49ers don't have as much to worry about, and they're almost there. It was not as bad a game as it could have been, and they were competitive. So it wasn't the worst game, and it wasn't the best game, but the 49ers are certainly uh, a step above where they were last year. And I think Norv Turner's play calling, Mike Nolan's um, approach to the team is a, a big, big reason for that. So I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged heading into this bye week, and I'm hoping that some of the injuries will help out and this team can get back on track. So 49er fans, today we are very lucky to have Kirk Reynolds on air and online with us, ready to talk to us about the 49ers today, yesterday, and of the future. So Kirk is here. He's taken some time out of his very busy schedule. We are extremely appreciative of that. And uh, he's here to talk Niners with us. I'm sure this is a podcast show that nobody is going to forget. So thank you, Kirk. Thanks for being here, and thank you for taking the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's, uh, I know it means a whole lot to the 49er fans out there to have you on the show. So um, on behalf of them and in advance, thank you for everything you're about to do for us. Uh, absolutely. We have uh, a few questions to get through, and I guess uh, I'll throw throw one squarely at your shoulder, get it out of the way. I think it's probably what most 49er fans were uh, wanting to hear right off the bat, and it's uh, we know you left the team on uh, pretty much not your own terms, and if there's anything you want to say to the 49er fans or the Bay Area that you didn't feel you have a chance to say, um, of course I'm talking towards the tolerance video scandal. Um, if there's anything else you want to say about that matter, we can 
take it right off the bat and uh, then put it to rest once and for all? Oh, sure. I, I think that uh, uh, you learn a lot in in, uh, in all experiences. you, you got to take uh, it as a learning experience no matter what. And for me, it was a tremendous learning experience. Uh, you learned, I mean, you learn a lot about cliches that are always thrown your way, like you you learn who your real friends are and all that kind of stuff. And uh, i got to tell you, I, there were quite a few uh, 49er fans and a lot of people in the media who had a lot of positive and nice things to say about me, which I, I genuinely appreciated. And, um, you know, it was, it was definitely an unfortunate situation. Uh, unfortunately, that's uh, kind of how the, the organization has... Uh, you know, spiraled uh, in, into a negative uh, position, unfortunately, and, and people get burned up there uh, a little too often. But uh, I had a great uh, appreciation for, for the 49er fans. I thought they were fantastic. And I certainly, uh, and, and you being one of them, I mean, obviously uh, got to meet you firsthand uh, uh, out at, at uh, training camp one year, and, and it, it was that. I love that kind of interaction. I love doing things that made fans happy even if they they were uh, disappointed in in the direction of the team or something that was happening within the organization i always enjoyed kind of reaching out and uh connecting with them and and connecting them closer to the team and that was always a a fun part so i miss that part of i miss connecting with with the fans but uh but outside of that you know uh, a lot of great things are happening for me and i'm i'm really excited about it I appreciate you addressing an issue that I know probably isn't uh, the easiest thing to talk about. And I know there are a lot of diehard fans who know that, uh, I guess, once something like that snowballs into the media, it really does just sort of get, you know, slippery slope downhill. And uh, it's unfortunate because I think you were misunderstood where you were coming from uh, on that issue. And and as I said all along, I mean, the, the, the intention was certainly the positive one. I mean, you... Any fan who watches sports sees the negative things in sports, especially today. Mainstream media seems so focused now on the the tabloid journalism just to boost ratings or or sell newspapers or whatever, and they lose sight of the good things that that happen. And my focus when doing that was literally to connect with our guys in order to um, make them more aware of something that was important, which is treating people right particularly the people in the media. And um, all the messages that I had in there were were positive messages. Um, nothing by any stretch was, was negative. Now, some of the, the, the noise in, in there, which what, what I refer to the, the scenes, um, you know, were, were certainly off color and not meant to uh, offend anyone, but at the same time, after having them exposed to uh, an audience it wasn't expected to be exposed to, I, I certainly understand why people would uh, see it in a negative way. But uh, the, the intention was certainly positive. You watch highlights and you see fights in the Miami game and you see players getting arrested and you see things happening uh, in sports. I mean, our, our whole focus was to, to do something that was going to benefit our players and make them... Uh, focus on being better people. I, I think that's an important point, the part about the the intended audience and how that can be misconstrued, because um, once it left the locker room, I think that's really where you ran, ran into the issues, because had it, had it stayed in the locker room, I think the players understood you and where you were coming from, but 
in any case. No question. <laughs> no question about that. And 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 most everything in there was uh, was an inside joke in some form or fashion. So when you take it outside of that, people aren't going to understand. And and probably the most inflammatory thing in in the whole video was uh, the uh, scene in front of the Chinese restaurant with George Chung and and you know again he was a part of the team. He was a a a guy who did a lot of training with players and kind of working on their hand speed and things of that nature and uh, hand-eye coordination stuff. And you know, he's a tr- truly a character. I mean, a guy was always in character, always playing a role. And, and you never, I don't know that any of us really knew who he was. <laughs> Constantly joking and playing different people. And so when we did that scene, um, he literally was supposed to read a line um, out of a newspaper that we held up and, uh, you know, I asked him, you know, what what this said, if you could help me uh, translate what this says. And, and then he, he literally not only ad-libbed what he said, but he also ad-libbed in how he dressed and the whole thing. And um, <laughs> him playing a role, again, uh, yeah, when people made it look like we were making fun of the, the Asian communities, and, and that wasn't the case at all, but he certainly was making fun of himself. And yeah, a lot- you take it outside of that audience... Um, yeah, people didn't necessarily understand that. A lot of people probably didn't even realize he was part of the team, and uh, that that of course makes a difference as well. So, sure it does. Sure it does. And, and honestly, when he walked up onto the screen in the in the scene, before he said even a word, the whole team was laughing because again, that's that's the that's the guy they'd see every day. He'd yeah. come in in different outfits, and he'd come in uh, in different voices, and he was always playing a different role. And uh, the players, that's what, it was, again, inside joke that when you take it outside of that environment, it, it's not very funny. So mm-hmm. uh, I understand that, but the intention was certainly positive. Yeah, and I think, I know there's still a strong support of uh, of you and the, that the fact that the organization was such a mess at the time that, you know, it's no wonder that something like this didn't, um, wasn't handled, I guess, as well as it could have been, but um, sure, it's. Uh, I guess it's time to move on. And so, what are you up to these days? Are you still involved with the NFL players? I know you had a hand in uh, Steve Young's retirement ceremony, but are, are you up to anything else other than that? Or you know, I'm actually um, I, I'm I'm involved in a variety of different uh, ventures. Uh, a couple startup companies, uh, all of them uh, tied to sports in some form or fashion. Two of them are tied. Uh, it, it's a bridge between technology and and sports. One of them's a, an online uh, service for uh, to to improve the uh, efficiency of college recruiting and athletics, um, basically allowing high schools to upload their game films uh, to a secure server so that colleges then have direct access to it instantly, and uh, that will streamline the process and make things. You know, I mean, recruiting such an immediate, we need it now or we need it yesterday kind of environment. And uh, the way it exists today with the duplication of tapes and mailing of tapes and all that kind of stuff, it's just such a backward process when technology is there to to make it better. So that's one. And then another one um, is actually an online sports entertainment company called NBX.com. And 49er fans will love it. Any any sports fan would love it. It's fantasy sports betting, and not everyone's a, a sports better, but there's zero uh, zero risk in this. I mean, it's all points-based. It's completely free to play, but 
the most important thing about it is it's actually a, a, an online community. So when you go on, you create your own profile and you plug in your own, your name and, and your favorite teams and all that kind of stuff and everything, all that criteria is searchable you know, within the uh, network. So Brian can, can look up 49er fans and find all of the 49er fans in there and start to communicate with them. And if in the case when the 49ers hosted the Raiders, you could search for Raider fans, and now you can kind of talk trash and, <laughs> and literally bet points on the games. And it's just a fun environment for for sports fans to interact and and to uh, compete against one one another and test their sports IQ. It's a great spot. And in addition to that, I do a lot of work with Steve Young. Uh, in fact, I'm in Arizona today for the uh, the, the Monday night game against Chicago. We uh, we put together Steve and I put together a package for in a uh, charity event that raised uh, fifty thousand dollars for four people to actually visit the the set of ESPN, uh, interact with Steve a little bit before the game, and uh, then take in the game. and And uh, it was a it's it's a great cause and a great event. And so I'm I'm definitely busy. I'm doing some stuff with Ronnie Lott as well and his Ronnie Lott Impact Award, and uh, it's just. Uh, the variety in my life is outstanding. Well, that's really, really great to hear. I just want to, I guess, the the website that you were talking about, is that NBS as in Sam or MBX.com? Oh, I'm sorry. N is Nancy, B as in boy, X as in XavierMcDaniel.com. And uh, if, if your listeners and, and folks on the site uh, plug in the, the – when they sign up and there's a promotional code that comes up, they plug in NBX MVP, they'll get an additional 4,000 points. So get on there and play. It's fun, <laughs> fun time. I'm sure you'll get a turnout from that. And uh, it sounds like a, a really interesting project. Well, all of them sound like really interesting projects. And I guess still working with Steve and Ronnie lets you uh, stay close to some of the players and working you know, with ESPN like that, you still get the interaction with some of the players, which... It's probably a lot of fun as well. Absolutely, and I have a I have a very one of my best friends uh, works. He's the uh, vice president of public relations for the New Orleans Saints, and for any of their big events, he's had me come in and help. So I was there for that Monday night game, and I was there for their draft and uh, three games last year, helping them in San Antonio and in Baton Rouge. So there's a there's been so many things I've been able to do, uh, just kind of freelancing, consulting, helping uh, that has kept me close to the game and. Um, I still stay in touch with a handful of players, um, you know, Derek Smith of the world, Alex Smith a little bit. Um, uh, there's some former 49ers, Bryant Young, Julian Peterson, guys like that that I still kind of interact with here and there. So it's uh, it's fun. I enjoy watching all of the games on Sunday rather than just one. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been a good time. Yeah, where would we be without NFL Sunday ticket, right? That's a real question. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Uh, so, you um, you you mentioned that you're still in touch with some of the players, past and present, and um, one of them you mentioned is Alex Smith. So he's made a, a lot of progress this year, from what we fans can tell. Is there any, um, I guess, inside information you you'd want to speak towards his improvement? Or well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think they, I think, and I've never worked with Nord Turner, but I think he continually proves himself as a as an excellent uh, offensive coordinator uh, in the NFL and his ability to play the player's strengths and get them to perform at a level higher than what they've been 
used to performing at and with Alex I, I think he clearly recognized the fact that the guy's pretty good uh, moving uh, a mobile guy so you, you notice he's done a lot of rolling out stuff and moving the pocket around and Alex has had some success uh, reading that and doing that one thing that um, one thing I remember last year when we drafted uh, Alex and I was still there then um, the, the, the Urban Meyer had talked about with Alex once he learns the playbook uh, he is pretty pretty outstanding once and he said and that took a full year at, at uh, Utah for him to to learn and, and understand the playbook uh, as it was meant to be understood and I think that with the 49ers it, it, it was going to take some time for him to, to learn all those concepts and terminology and all that stuff and understand it to its fullest and I think that extra year now you're seeing basically what Urban Meyer had told us that you know once he gets a grasp this guy's going to start to improve and I think that's what you're seeing yeah, he's definitely I mean it's like night and night and day from last year it's absolutely incredible so yeah, he's playing with some confidence. And if he can, if he can continue that line of quarterbacks that we've had out uh, out there, would be absolutely amazing. But it's still early. I know that. <laughs> absolutely. So, do you have a favorite moment of uh, your time working with the Forty ers Is there one thing that sort of sticks out in your mind? Boy, there's so many. I mean, uh, uh, one of my one of my favorite moments and it, it was both a positive and a, and a sad moment uh, was Steve Young's retirement uh, press conference it was a tremendous undertaking that we put that thing together and we he wanted to do it in the locker room and it was in the middle of a mini camp and so it, there were tremendous challenges in getting that thing done and we've never had a press conference in the in the locker room before and it was uh, a huge undertaking and and to set it up the way we did and to pull it off the way we did and it was carried live and on network television it was a tremendous event and we handled it with uh, uh, and we handled it really well and everyone got what they wanted except for Steve I mean we had Steve going doing interviews one-on-one-on-one afterwards for, for Josh two hours and he didn't get anything to eat so I, <laughs> that was one one place I dropped the ball I didn't have food for our guy but um, but that moment was extremely positive. I think coming back and beating the Giants in that uh, postseason game was a marvelous moment for me. Um, beating the Packers with that great catch by Terrell and that great throw by Steve was another great, great moment. There, there just there were just so many um, tremendous moments that uh, that I enjoyed, and I think. I think one of my favorite, absolute favorite moments, and certainly one that I'll never forget, was uh, my first year with the ball club. And we, um, <clears throat> I got called into Mr. DeBartolo's office three days into the job, and I, I was panicking going down there. I thought, well, why would the owner want me? He's going to fire me on the third day. I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> and uh, to sit in his office and have a conversation that was so uh, down to earth and so. Um, uh, just out of the ordinary, and we ended up talking about surfing of all things. And uh, neither one of us were surfers, but uh, <laughs> we talked about the surf in Santa Barbara, where I grew up, and it was just a, a very endearing moment for me. And I, uh, I just, I'll never forget it. He, it, it just kind of showed what kind of guy he was. He, he wanted to know everyone in his organization, and he treated everybody with a tremendous amount of respect. And, 
he was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. So that was my first face-to-face and one that I'll never forget. It's a hard act to follow he was, that's for sure. But uh, Impossible. <laughs> I know that uh, it's taken until now, but I think that Denise and John have finally started um, picking up where Eddie left off a little bit and uh, starting to get things turned around in the right direction by the all accounts. It's uh, it's hard to tell, and I, you know, I think that, and I, I do have respect for John and he's both, but uh, I don't think they'll ever reach the the same levels that Eddie did. I don't know that anyone ever can, but um, he, you know, certainly they've they've they're they're trying without question. They are trying, and and and, and John really has faced a lot of things that Eddie had faced in his in, during his time. I mean, he he got pounded pretty good in his first couple of years there, I mean, they were ripping him like, uh, you wouldn't believe, I, I had a letter to the editor that I had kept out and shared with John one time where one fan had written that uh, they wished that Eddie would commit suicide. <laughs> it was a, it was an unbelievable thing to say, not only say, but to put in the print. Um, and then I imagine that fan was not saying the same thing when they were winning five Super Bowls. <laughs> uh, somehow I think he changed his tune, eh? Exactly. But it didn't take long for, for Eddie to get it, and he, he understood he needed to do some things different, and he did them and went after it. It's taken John and Denise a lot longer to figure things out. And if they have, I mean, it's they're still not very good, so it's hard to say that they have figured it out, but they're certainly trying at least, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the perception is that they're trying, and uh, certainly when they took over the team, it wasn't. It all it almost seemed like they they were trying not to be successful. <laughs> so it's right. uh, it's refreshing to see that uh, I guess change in in their manner. Absolutely, I mean, and again, 49er fans deserve that. They certainly have uh, experienced greatness and. To have it go from where it was to to now where it is 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 got to be maddening for any fan. And at least this year they're seeing a little bit of progress. Now you know who knows how the rest of the season will play out. But there are some signs here and there of, of improvement. But you know if things spiral out of control and they continue to get slaughtered by teams like San Diego and uh, even I mean those kind of games I guess you you expect. I mean those are measuring stick games. You realize you're not there, but. If they start playing some of these other teams and, uh, and and don't have success against teams that they could have success against, like the the uh, Cardinals and and teams of that nature, then then I start to wonder again. Gosh, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, had they had they lost to the Raiders, that would have been a, a real nightmare. <laughs> that would have been tough. That was a, as, as Steve Young said, that was a must-win game. Thankfully for them, they won. Yeah. Uh, so what about the coaching transitions between Steve Mariucci, Dennis Erickson, and Mike Nolan and the, the post-Seaford era? How do you think that's been handled, and um, do you think they're on track with uh, Mike Nolan? Or I think I think so. I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, obviously, there's, there's definitely signs of improvement um, there. Uh, you know, so from that standpoint, yeah, you, you look at there's a progression on offense. There certainly isn't any on defense. I mean, they're they're not very good on defense. And you know, is that is that all due to the players? Is a scheme? I mean, that stuff I don't know enough about the game to be able to say that. But um, certainly he has command there, which is good. You know, you look at some of the guys in the past that 
had been successful there. They had a they had a command of the organization. They were the focal point. I don't I don't think Dennis ever had that chance. I mean, he didn't have much of an influence in there, unfortunately for him. Um, whereas I think Steve had a little bigger voice and certainly uh, had success uh, doing it. And then George uh, obviously won some Super Bowls, but. You know, they, they obviously did, uh, made some poor decisions. I mean, they never should have gotten rid of Steve, to be honest with you. Everything they tried to do with Mike, they already had with Steve. You know, with, with Mike, they wanted a face for the organization. Well, they had that with Steve. You know, they, they wanted a guy with some energy. They had that with Steve. You know, they, all the things that they're they're trying to accomplish with Mike, they already had with Coach Mariucci. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, that thing uh, didn't end pretty, and, it, and it's something that created quite a tarnish within the organization but uh, hopefully things will get better with him now and, and uh, you know we'll have to just watch it and see how it plays out yeah I think you're I think you're right about that with the I mean I know when Steve left a lot of 49er fans were I guess criticizing his conservative nature but I think a lot of that conservative nature was more well, this is what the team is actually good at. And so, you know, he, he ran the ball an awful lot because that's sort of what the team was capable of doing. And it, it opened up the passing opportunities, particularly with uh, Jeff Garcia and Torello. And so he, he was good at recognizing that, and he had the energy, and he had a young team going. And then uh, it just, uh, all that pressure, I guess, uh, of the conservative issues got to the front office, and they said, well, enough's enough. And they went for what they thought would be an explosive offensive attack under Dennis Erickson, but <laughs> really didn't have the personnel to back that up. That's true. I mean, what what, what really transpired with Steve was a lack of um, a lack of trust, and and, uh, and that's kind of what what went sideways there. I mean, Steve, you know, Steve was uh, was a guy with two years left on a deal, and and he had Terry Donahue and the organization who. Uh, there were rumors circulating that Donnie wanted Steve's job, and and uh, you know Steve, whether it's founded or it wasn't founded, Steve, I don't want to say felt threatened, but he certainly wanted some security to his position, and uh, was asking for uh, an extension. If he was looking for an extension, and you know as it turns out, uh, Notre Dame reached out to him to uh, ask for permission to to speak to him. And about their position, and and uh, that kind of you know put some pressure on the the organization to step up to the plate. Well, it was also Notre Dame is is John York's team and and uh, Denise's school. You know that's their school, and so there were some there was some tension there that that unfortunately played out over the course of the next couple of months, and it just got there was just a lack of communication unfortunately and it didn't have to end and it shouldn't have ended the way that it did and Steve should still be the coach there he had success and the players enjoyed playing for him and um, whether the fans think he was conservative or, or, or not I mean, they're, we're still winning games and we went to the second round of the playoffs that year yeah that's for Probably sure <laughs> fire a guy you know it's we played against a team that was pretty dynamic in Tampa Bay that went on to win the Super Bowl yeah was obviously a really good football team, and uh, for him to, to lose a job over that is is pretty disheartening. But regardless of that, I think uh, Dennis was hired for the purpose of you know he wasn't going to make waves. He just wanted to coach football and wasn't going to ask for any kind of authority. And 
you know, they, they won the lesson in the role of the head coach, which uh, ended up being a, a bad move. I mean, Dennis, with all due respect, is a, is a very good football coach. I mean, there's no question about that. He's a great coach. He's doing things in Idaho already with, a, with an outfit that wasn't very good. And they've got a winning program there. I think they're 3-0 and in conference. So, I mean, he, he immediately proves to everybody that, you know, given – Given the ability to influence his own roster, he's a pretty darn good coach, and he he had no influence whatsoever in the 49er organization. That's that's a shame. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the other big issue out there for 49er fans that a lot of us are thinking about is the stadium. And uh, do you have any insight as to how close the team might actually be to getting a new stadium at this point, or what the big holdups were while you were there? I can tell you this. Um, I, well, first of all, I don't. I don't know exactly where they are with the stadium. Uh, I do know that the guy they have in charge of it is outstanding, and he certainly gives them the chance to get it done. Larry McNeil um, is, by all accounts, very sharp, very smart, very good, and he's on top of this thing. And he is a he is all business. I love the guy, and his his involvement in alone just gives it. It gives it a chance. I mean, he gives it direction and leadership. Ultimately, it's going to come down to whether or not they're willing to spend the money to do it. And because um, they're not going to get public financing, they're not going to get the city of San Francisco in particular to cough up any money to do this. Um, they are going to have to do it themselves, especially when the Giants went out and basically funded their own ballpark. And you know, they, uh, the 49ers aren't aren't stupid. They they see how what kind of pressure that has put on the Giants to continually sell out their games and, you know, make deals with the devil. I mean, they got Barry Bonds there just to basically sell out the ballpark. And, you know, um, anytime they, they slip from that standpoint, it's it's going to put a great deal of financial pressure on that organization. So the 49ers, will, if they stay in San Francisco, will have to do the same thing. Now, my guess at some point, this is just a guess, uh, is that they won't build it in San Francisco. They'll end up building it further down the peninsula, maybe closer to San Jose or Santa Clara, uh, where they might have a little easier time getting voter approval or whatever they need to get it done because doing business in San Francisco is very hard to do, I mean, especially as it comes to building things. and uh, they just It's hard to get through, get through the uh, Board of Supervisors to get those decisions and yeah. uh, get, get some progress. Yeah, I think... Uh... Certainly, if they move towards Santa Clara, there's the advantage of having the headquarters right there and uh, being able to be that close. And not that it's that far from San Fran to begin with, but being able to be that close and really uh, manage everything from one central location would be easier from that standpoint as well. Yep, and I think that, for one, the the majority of the fan base is down that way as it is. And, And I think that, you know, it's not that much further for anyone driving from, say, uh, the North Bay or or the Sacramento area or wherever they're coming from. There's there's probably going to be better freeway access um, than, you know, where their current location is. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot more has to happen. I don't think they're, I mean, they're, they had that, that one press conference kind of showing the, Diagrams and all that. I mean, to me, that, that there was nothing. There was no substance to that press conference. But um, no. yeah, we wanted a picture. We had that from uh, six or seven years ago, type of thing. Right? Exactly. So, <laughs> so. Um, 
but basically it's all going to come down to dollars and cents. I mean, if they're they're willing to put the money up, then you know they're going to be able to get it. But if they aren't, then it's it's going to be a long, long wait. So back to the team here, and I know you mentioned Norv Turner earlier and his impact on Alex Smith. I just uh, do you think Turner is going to be around long enough to take Smith to that next level? I do. I mean, again, depending on uh, they're I think they're fully invested into um, Mike Nolan and and uh, his leadership. So I think that yeah, I think I think Norv will be around. I don't know that. I don't think that uh, in the two efforts that Norv has had at, at head coaching ranks, you know, again, not knowing the dynamics that were around him in either organization. I mean, we all know what we think we know from afar, but, you know, uh, he hasn't been terribly successful, particularly when, in his last stint with Raiders, but I would think that he's probably, uh, I think the rest of his career remains as a, as an offensive coordinator is my is my guess. And I know that he he grew up in Northern California, so you know my guess as long as they continue paying well, that, that you know he's pretty content. Yeah. For a while. Yeah, because he's done good things so far, and I think uh, he's what what Alex Smith needs to get to that next level. But there's the the only question is if he has that inkling of still going for it one more time. But uh, if he, if he sticks around and if he's comfortable, I think that he can really turn over the offense there. Right. No, no question. And I've never heard anything uh, negative about him whatsoever in terms of his being an offensive coordinator. I mean, Kevin Gogan, who I do a lot of stuff with, uh, played for him in uh, in Dallas when he was the offensive coordinator. And raves about him as a coordinator. Said he was just tremendous. And obviously, that is that is shining through. In this particular case, you can see a definite improvement now. It certainly improved the players for him to work with compared to what Coach Erickson was left with. But um, he is—he uh, has done a nice job thus far with uh, with what he's got there. So, when, when you look at the NFL as a whole, what do you think the the biggest public relation changes are between when you started out working and uh, where the NFL's at today? Well, I think that. Uh, I think there's a few things. I think it it's certainly gotten more corporate. So, um, you know, they're 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 changing the way people, you know, the spontaneity of things, uh, which is, you know, I understand from one side that that why they do that, but on the other hand, I you take away some of the fun that uh, and creativity that some of these guys have. I was listening to an interview that Ronnie Lott was doing the other day. They had brought up Terrell Owens for one, and um, you know, and his and 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 the things that he does, and and Ronnie made an interesting uh, comparison to Muhammad Ali, and he wasn't certainly wasn't saying that Terrell Owens was Muhammad Ali. He was just saying that Muhammad Ali was a guy who obviously did a lot of talking and uh, hosted press conferences and generated a tremendous amount of interest in in his behaviors. Off outside of the ring, but he did it with a cause. There was a cause behind what he was trying to do, and if players had causes, you know, and, and weren't just doing it for selfish gain, then um, you know, it would probably carry a heck of a lot more weight and uh, would be a heck of a lot more effective. You know, you look at you look at Chad Johnson, and you look at Terrell Owens, and uh, Chad Johnson does a lot of things that 
similar to what Tio does. I mean, he's a he's a guy that talks trash, but he does it in a fun way, and he does it in a positive way, um, or at least in, under a positive light. Whereas Terrell's got a much more negative light. So anyhow, that 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 part is different. Um, just on a pure PR level, I mean, there's the biggest change is, is technology. Personally, I mean. Uh, the, the biggest change is, is figuring out how to deal with internet sites and bloggers and podcasters and all that kind of stuff because as we all see there's a tremendous convergence of media onto the internet and uh, more and more people are going to the internet for their news and for their information and for their entertainment and PR people in the NFL need to learn how to deal with that and learn how to incorporate those folks in their strategies and 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 that kind of thing. So those are kind of a couple of things that I hope I answered the question you were looking for me to answer. Yeah, no, that's uh, what I, I mean. It's a very broad question, obviously. So I, I think definitely the media issues. And I mean, if you look at just where the 49ers site has come from in the past, I don't know, since I guess six years or so where, where it started and where it's at now, they're, I mean, they're at the point where they're taking videos, two, three videos a day and putting them up there it's almost like teams in general are trying to control what's coming out of their team as opposed to having the media dictate what's being said about their team. And that's smart. I mean, that's the way it should be because, again, the, the, the mainstream media has such a negative slant these days. I mean, tabloid journalism is running wild, and, and a lot of times these players are losing their voice. Mm-hmm. They really don't have a voice anymore. They have it's, the media always sells itself to the players as a, you know, we're we're your bridge to your fans. Well, you're really not. Um, the, the, the mainstream media uses those players to to deliver their messages to the fans, not the players' messages. So, um, you know, that, so anyhow, there, there's definitely a, a, a focus on the team level to try and um, take control of some of the stories and things that are that are written. And you know it's it's smart, but you can't wipe out the mainstream. You got to still deal with them, and uh, you got to deal with them in a professional way and you know, an honest way. And uh, the teams that do that well, you know, it, it shines through. The others that don't, it, you notice it as well. Yeah, that's uh, very insightful, and I really appreciate all your comments. If is there anything else you want to throw out there for us, or? Um... Otherwise, it's just uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on to the show, and I look forward to hopefully having you back in the future. Yeah, let me know whenever you want to do it. We're we're always good to, to roll with my man Brian. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Kirk Reynolds, former 49ers Public Relations Director, and um, he was on the show giving us his insight as to you know past, present, future 49ers stuff. Great, great conversation. He's... Uh, Really an amazing character and one that I think got a a bad rap and completely unfairly so. He really, really is an accommodating person and um, he was uh, really, really uh, a good, good guy for the team. And it's a shame that he had to go out the way he did because he did uh, great things for the team and some amazing things for the fan fans out there. So I do encourage you all to check out NBX as in Nathan Brian Xavier.com. Be sure to use the NBX MVP as your reference code when you log when you sign up. It's a, a great site. I've already checked it out. 
And um, it's definitely a great compliment to 49ers Paradise, that's for sure. So be sure to check out nbx.com. And hopefully we'll be able to have Kirk back on the show in the future as well. He's uh, an incredibly busy guy, but I know that uh, he offered to take a little bit more time out of his schedule in the future. And uh, as long as we don't bother him too much, hopefully he'll be a good friend to 49ers Paradise as he has been in the past. So thank you very much again, Kirk. And uh, thank you fans for supporting the site and helping to make this happen. And uh, I know that he really appreciates each and every one of us out there. And um, I hope you all have a better insight as to what type of guy Kirk actually is because he really, really is one of the good, good people that this organization had with it for quite some time. And um, he never really got a chance to to say his side of the story. Things just snowballed too quickly. But it's great to have him. It's great to have his insight. He offered a lot of very, very interesting news that I'm sure we'll be talking about in the forum for weeks and weeks and weeks to come. So until next time, thank you all for listening to the latest show. Be sure to check out 49ers Paradise daily and of course you can now once again call into 49ers Paradise locally from throughout the world but from San Fran just dial 415-376-7297 then dial star 747-628-7149 and you'll be connected to 49ers Paradise for local calling numbers from throughout the United States and from all over the world check out the phone link in the top right hand corner of the main page of 49ers Paradise That's all for this time. Until next time, take care, have fun, and I hope you enjoyed the show. But the days of the 49ers had only just begun.